And it's time for another quick take with the Real Estate Law Podcast. Jason Muth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals and Pride Away Stays. This quick take is all about investing in land, vacant land or land that's been improved uh, with septic and plumbing, uh, ready to go for a builder to build on it. We have spoken with a couple land investors on this podcast, both of whom know each other, actually. Uh, This excerpt is from the episode with Dan Habercost. Uh, Dan was a student of Brent Bowers, uh, the Land Sharks. Brent's been on the podcast a couple times. Uh, Both really knowledgeable about land investing. And we spoke with Dan about his investments in Colorado. Uh, He's done some investments in Florida as well. What things he looks for with land, how he makes offers, how he identifies land, and uh, you know what pitfalls there are in the land investing space. Now, you know when you buy land, you kind of got to do something with the land. You cannot depreciate land. You're going to want to build something on it because you know people aren't going to be sleeping on the ground and you're collecting much rent. Um, but you know if you buy the right land and you improve it yourself or you sell it to somebody that wants to improve it because of things happening in the area, you could do very very well. So listen to this quick take and learn about land investing with Dan Habercost. So Dan, let's talk a little bit more about the land business since you definitely have that in common with a past guest and that's really the foundation of what you've been doing. What kind of legal issues have you found along the way? Like anything that has come up, anything that surprised you, anything that you expected? Well, the first thought I have there is more just solving a problems to get deals. So quiet title. I'm not sure what the laws are in Massachusetts. I know them in Florida and Colorado, but if I, or if somebody goes and purchases a property tax lien sale, right? So in Colorado, you have to buy the tax liens for three years. They still don't pay it off. You apply for the treasurer's deed. They try and contact the owner one more time. If they don't, they deed into your name via a treasurer's deed. The issue is if you don't do a quiet title, then that prior owner or anyone that had liens uh, or any sort of say was owed something by that owner can come back after you. So Understanding and knowing how to do the quiet title process has gotten us a bunch of deals. Um, Same thing with probate. We have probate attorneys that we send people to immediately and have gotten a number of deals through probate. So I don't know that that's necessarily what you are asking, but understanding the legal process involved in transferring title and solving different issues involved with title has gotten us a lot of deals. Rory, what is quiet title? Quiet title is a it's a lawsuit. You take it to the court and you sue and you ask the court to determine who the rightful owner is. This happens when this can happen for a whole bunch of reasons, but in this context, when a city or town seizes property and then deeds it to somebody else, this is uh, the court is overlooking to make sure that the city or town did it correctly, that you in fact are the you know, the rightful owners of the property. And you really need to do that in order to find a a downstream buyer who's willing to buy that land from you, who's willing to build a house on on it, a lender who's willing to lend on the land. They need the assurance that there's not going to be an old owner coming out of the woodwork to clear that the property is there. So a quiet title is a court action that determines the owners. Yep. And to expand on that, you can sell these properties or buy these properties without a quiet title, but you're not going to get a title insurance or you're not going to get title insurance on it. So if you're honest and transparent with the person you sell it to, if you try and build a house on it, that's a dangerous route to go, right? Because you don't have title insurance. It's a similar concept to, to you can sell a property that has a squatter in it or a tenant who's not paying, but it cheapens the property because the downstream buyer is going to have to turn around and evict the tenant. This is similar where you're you're evicting the old claims on title um, through quiet title action. So it just it diminishes the value. And this is one way to add value too. So by clearing up the title is a way of adding value to the property the same way as getting rid of a problematic tenant, the same way as fixing an old roof. These are all different ways that you can 
if you have the skill set and the resources, you can um, improve the value of property. Yep. Is it the same way as having a lot that has sewer or gas yep. or electric or anything all ready to go for it, ready to build? Race yep. to water tap, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's very important. Rory, it's a sensitive topic. We've already beaten it, right? <laughs> oh, man. Four um, months later, I can laugh about it. It's okay. <laughs> let's talk about some work that you're doing with Brent, though, because, you know, we, yeah. we heard that you were doing, you mentioned that you're doing a course with him or, or starting up a project together. Mm -hmm. I know our conversation last week on the podcast, which we haven't heard yet, but you'll hear, you know, when it comes mm -hmm. out, was focused on land deals. And we mm -hmm. knew that you did some land deals as well, but the more we learned about you, the more we realized that you're building from the ground up also on some of that land, which is not what I expected from someone that was going to just be doing land deals, infill, infill land deals and whatnot. So tell us what got you going with building and then talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the, the work that you're doing uh, with Brent. Yep. Oh, great question. So that goes back to meeting Rich, who I've talked about a couple of times. And you know, it, it really is a very simple process if you buy the right land. So understanding the difference between, you know, for example, in Colorado, out east, there's people buying huge tracts of land and doing all the work uh, with engineers and the county to, to bring in or to get it zoned and platted and then bring in utilities. You can make a lot of money doing that, but that's a huge process. It's very capital intensive. It takes a long time and you got to be patient. You need experience or someone experienced on your team. What I'm doing is I'm going and finding land where somebody already did that. Take Pueblo West, for example. The McCulloch was the guy who did it. Same guy who did Lake Havasu. He just did Pueblo West a decade or so later. Uh, he was following around the Army Corps engineers as they dammed up the Colorado River and putting subdivisions right next to these big reservoirs in the desert, right? And so he put millions of dollars and many, many hundreds or thousands of hours into taking a huge tract of land and subdividing it and bringing in water, sewer, roads, all that. and Fast forward to today, I'm going and picking out nice lots, water, sewer, gas, electric, entitlements done, ready to be built on, uh, and building on those. So they're quote unquote shovel ready. And so it really comes down to number one, knowing your avatar or your end buyer and building a plan that's appropriate to it. Number two, hiring the right GC. You mess that up, that can mess up the whole project. You do it right, it can be nearly passive. Really having just bought the right land and you do those things correctly and it's really simple, if, especially with the contractor. If he, if his incentives are aligned with yours, if expectations as far as who's doing what are properly set up front, you know, Cabaret is the one I thankfully got in right under the, right before the shutdown in Pueblo West, and that's going to close July first. And I probably spent six to seven, maybe eight hours on that by the by the end of the project. Uh, so if you set it up right, it can be fairly passive. And so with the land business, I just have. Lots coming in at 30 to 50 cents on the dollar. Some of them we flip, some of them we assign, some of them we sell on financing, and then the best ones we'll build on. So Brent and I, uh, to that question, he had a lot of his students asking, well, how do I build? How do I build? And I had a lot more experience with that than he did. And then I was one of his first students just on the land flipping side of things. And so we decided to come together and create something that would appeal to either of us, you know, five, six, seven years ago, right? Like I said, at the beginning of this conversation, the land sharks worked so well for me because it was just a simple practical system laid out from A to Z. And so he and I are creating a, or have created a course that is the same thing, but how to build on that land. So yeah, that's what we have put together. It's uh, I Build Freedom uh, is what we've named the, the course. And uh, we're excited about it because 
I know that this sort of thing works because I'm an example. I'm a product of it, right? I traded a year of my weekends to learn how to build going down and seeing Rich, you know, an hour south of me every weekend. I would have much rather have just bought a course that was would teach me that. So yeah, that's what he and I have done together. All right. There's another quick take with the Real Estate Law Podcast. For the full episode, go to YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or wherever you heard or listened to that quick take. We also have all of our episodes posted at realestatelawpodcast.com. So on behalf of Rory Gill, I'm Jason Muth, one of your hosts, and we thank you for listening. (laughs) 